It is no less the case now than it was three months ago. Where Russia's invasion of Ukraine is concerned, there is only one side to take. Putin is the aggressor. Putin chose this war. And now he and his country will bear the consequences. It is a crime of monstrous proportions, a lunatic outrage against sense, decency and propriety, and the fact that it has gone so badly for the aggressors is hopefully only the beginning of the justice that will ultimately be done. Nobody should have any difficulty seeing this, and it might have been hoped and expected that the nations of Africa would have less difficulty seeing it than most. The spectacle of a mighty European power seeking to steal and or destroy the territory and assets of a smaller country should have reminded them of something. Nevertheless, Africa has been, if not sympathetic to Russia, certainly more equivocal about Russia's rampage in Ukraine than Europe. The war could have been avoided if NATO had heeded the warnings from amongst its own leaders and officials over the years that its eastward expansion would lead to greater, not less, instability in the region. This week, Macky Sall, President of Senegal and current Chair of the African Union, has announced that he will shortly join the list of senior foreign officials to visit Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky in Kyiv, and slash but that he will also drop in on Russian President Vladimir Putin in Moscow. For Africa, we want peace. We don't want to be aligned with this conflict. Very clearly, even if we condemn the invasion, we are working for there to be a de-escalation and we are working for there to be a ceasefire, for there to be dialogue, since in any case we will end up sitting around the table. It is possible that President Saul is merely seized by hubris and is wistfully eyeing a space on his office shelf which might be grandly occupied by a Nobel Peace Prize medal. But Saul is not daft and doubtless understands that the chances of Putin listening to him, when he has thus far listened to nobody, must be reckoned as slight. Which prompts an amount of suspicion that Saul is trying to have a few quid each way. Senegal has an amount of form for this. Early in the current war, Saul did speak to Putin by phone and urged him, for what little it turned out to be worth, to back off. But this was shortly after Senegal had, to widespread bemusement, abstained when the UN General Assembly voted on a resolution demanding that Russia end its assault and withdraw all its forces forces back over Ukraine's borders. Senegal was not alone. Sixteen other African countries abstained on that resolution, eight more didn't turn up, and one, Eritrea, the North Korea of East Africa, actually voted with Russia. Senegal did come around to voting against Russia on a similar resolution a few weeks later, but on that occasion 26 African countries either abstained or found somewhere else to be, while Eritrea once again sided with Russia, the weirdos. And at the United Nations today, nations voted 141 to 5 to condemn Putin's invasion. The five against were Russia, Belarus, Syria, Eritrea, and North Korea. 
the question reasonably raised is, what is going on here? Why are so many nations of a continent which has suffered far more than its share of predation by brutally acquisitive foreign powers having trouble picking a side? Where Eritrea, at least, is concerned, this is easily answered. The regime in Asmara is just plain howling at the moon, loopy. Elsewhere, it's a bit more complicated, almost as if Africa is not a group-thinking monolith, but 54 countries, each with their own ideas about stuff. That said, it is possible to diagnose an amount of muddle-headed nostalgia for what Moscow once represented to Africa. During the Cold War, the Soviet Union armed, funded, and trained liberation movements across Africa, including the ANC in South Africa, ZANU-PF in Zimbabwe, SWAPO in Namibia, the MPLA in Angola, and FRELIMO in Mozambique. To this day, Angola's national flag is adorned with a crossed gear wheel and machete in the hammer and sickle pattern, Mozambique's with the Soviet-built AK-47 rifle. But it is not all about the past. Russia has taken considerable interest in Africa more recently. Russia is the single biggest supplier of arms to Africa and has considerable economic interests in Africa. Russian companies prospect for aluminium in Guinea and uranium in Namibia, among many other such enterprises. Now we are one of the uh, richest countries in uranium. Look for somebody who needs it more. At least a couple of African regimes, Mali, the Central African Republic, are to some extent reliant on mercenaries deployed by Russia's semi-deniable Wagner Group. Trade between Russia and Africa has doubled since 2015. Russia's outreach has gone as far as hosting, in 2019, 43 African leaders at a colossal summit with Vladimir Putin in Sochi. No weird long table or anything. The ties between Russia and Africa are long-standing, as mentioned by many, including with my country, Rwanda. We therefore welcome greater cooperation in fields such as information technology, scientific research, and new sources of energy. Another such gathering is scheduled for St. Petersburg in October, and it will be instructive to see who shows up, as African leaders are hopefully realising that distancing themselves from Russia may not just be morally correct and diplomatically wise, but economically profitable. A barely veiled subtext of this week's visit to Niger, South Africa, and Mackie Sol's Senegal by German Chancellor Olaf Scholz was that many European countries, detaching themselves from Russian pipelines, are now looking for other sources of energy. For Monocle24, I'm Andrew Muller.